Good morning. Welcome to the Weekly Roundtable. C-SPAN here uh, in the mobile studio in Vermont, Stratford, Vermont today. So if you hear some dogs walking on the hardwood floor, that's what's going on. So uh, I plan to be sk skating on the pond later today. Went downhill skiing yesterday. Uh, it's good to be out. We definitely need up F3 up here. So today's topic is super complicated. And so I want to make sure I, I let, let's do the easy stuff first. Let's start with uh, the introduction for our two guests today, uh, both military leaders. Um, but Gobbler, who EH'd you? How long have you been doing F3? Morning, C-SPAN. I'm here, out here in Tacoma, and it is much darker than it is where you're at. Um, it, who EH'd me? That would be my ex-wife. My ex-wife, um, I got back from deployment, and uh, we were still married at the time. She told me about this group of guys that was going to do a workout. And so I went, checked out at a pre-launch workout in Pittsburgh at the time. Um, they didn't scare me away, and so I showed up, and I'm a Redwood of Pittsburgh. So that's kind of the EH story for me. And so uh, Pittsburgh is three, four years old now? I'm trying to remember. Is Pittsburgh four years old now? Three years old. They will be four years old in April. Excellent. Okay. Red Baron, who EH you? How long have you been doing F3? Hey, good morning there, C-SPAN, and good morning, Gobbler. And I, too, am in uh, my mobile studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is about halfway between Wilmington and uh, Myrtle Beach in the house that was my parents' retirement home that my brother and I now co-own. I'm down here because uh, tomorrow morning I'm going to be up at uh, F3 Cape Fear and be officiating uh, or be the queue for the passing of the Nantan shovel flag between uh, Dread and uh, Slaughter. So I'm looking forward to that first, uh, and that'll be preceded by an appropriate beatdown, a little cafeteria, and then uh, we'll go ahead and, and do that as, they, as those guys that are going to head into their community service project. If you haven't seen it on Twitters and, uh, and on Slack, uh, Hello Kitty is going to be streaming both events. He's on the IR. And so uh, look for those things, and uh, hopefully you can join in maybe from uh, the different locations. So uh, who EH me and how long I've been doing F3? I started F3 on 21 October 2017. And as I like to say, at the time I was EH'd by a six-year-old, and that was our, uh, our oldest granddaughter, our oldest uh, 3.0, F3 Ray, and that is Ray as in Star Wars, and she is actually the 2.0 of Hello Kitty, who is our 2.0. So hopefully everybody got all that math. And that was at uh, F3 Carpex. But uh, just over a year ago when Kitty was up, at, up in uh, Hanover, Pennsylvania, where I live, we planted the shovel flag for F3 Snack Town, and that's uh, where I call home. Yeah, awesome. And I, I guess you need to call out all your other sons because I think, uh, you know, I know as a, as, a, as a father and as a grandfather, if you got more, uh, you know, if you got more lineage, just go ahead and get all your other sons' names out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you're right. You know, I can't, you can't uh, have a favorite. You can't, you know, love one more than, than the other. Um, and so, uh, and Hello Kitty has got uh, two, two daughters. Um, and the second uh, daughter is F3 uh, uh, Pink Dinosaur. Um, and like I said, they are in uh, F3 Carpex. They actually live in Apex. And then our uh, 2.1 is uh, F3 uh, Atari, which uh, people hear on the Pick Up 6 uh, podcast. And he is out there in F3 Puget Sound. And I know Gobbler has seen him in person, and I've posted out there when I've, when I've uh, visited 
Um, last time was last year, and of course that's where I got to meet AP and LZ in uh, person. And uh, they've got one uh, one daughter, um, and uh, she doesn't have an F3 name yet, but her uh, hospital name is Remy. Um, she'll be four in March, and then uh, down in Montgomery, and F3 Montgomery is uh, our 2.2, which is F3 Lightyear. And both he and his M uh, were in the U.S. Air Force and then resigned their commissions and are now in our, U our new U.S. Space Force. They're attending a professional military education program down there for the Space Force. And they have uh, three uh, 2.0s, so, um, and they are uh, boy, girl, boy. So all total, we've got uh, four girls, uh, two boys, ranging in age from nine uh, to, to 21 uh, months. And so we're, uh, we're all proud of them. And, um, of course, we're looking, looking forward to Lightyear and, and his M are going to be moving up to the Pentagon. They don't have orders yet, but that's what we're hearing, which will put them about an hour and a half or so from us, which will be great. Awesome. And um, let's jump into today's topic. And so, obviously, i got two uh, two really sharp military leaders that are F3 guys. Um, but today's topic is something that just keeps coming up and, uh, and guys keep requesting. And that is F3 provides a lot of leadership guidance on this kind of small unit uh, for the military guys. I kind of call it the, uh, the squad size group. And so you think about it being an F3 workout. There's eight, 12 guys. It's pretty easy. You can... Uh, know everybody's name, uh, you know, drive, uh, drive your message, drive the, uh, you know, the execution of the mission. It's very, very simple. What these guys are going to talk about today is the next level, which is uh, F3's experience in all this growth, and it's going to stretch every man's leadership abilities and capabilities um, in 2021. One of the things we're going to talk about today is managing large groups. All right, and some of you are going to say, well, I've never managed a large group. I've never managed a small group. But sit back, listen to these guys, because what they're going to, what they're going to try and teach you is, uh, I'm going to tell you, we're going to, basically we're going to go over some complex leadership principles, but they're also very simple leadership principles, which is get these people to the right place with a pretty clear mission statement and, and watch them execute the orders. But we're going to go through some details to get us to that point but sit back and, and take some notes. So, Gobbler, I think you're up first. Why don't you talk a little about, um, you know, kind of some of the different arming tactics of managing small groups versus managing large groups. Yeah, hey, thanks a lot, C-SPAN, and I, I appreciate the setup there. We, um, you know, when we look at large organizations versus small organizations, there's a um, couple different ways to look at it. The One of the ways that the Army likes to use is the word direct versus indirect. Um, and when and where in the Army that breaks down is uh, everything from the company down, so squad, platoon, company, is typically direct leadership. And what sets uh, direct leadership apart from indirect is you're able to know everyone in your organization. And that's about 100 people is what we, what we find out in the Army is that when you're managing or you're leading 100 people or less, you're able to pretty much interact with them on a regular basis you know, there's some people you know more than others, but you, you pretty much can know everyone in your company. And as a, when I was a company commander, I, I knew all my soldiers. Um, I interacted with all my soldiers. You know, I, over a couple of days, I would, I would see them all. Uh, and so I can, through my own force of will and who I am as a personality, I can lead those men, those women. Now, uh, and this, 
really the F3 term we would use for this is proximity. I am proximate, and I can be proximate to all those people. I can get out in front of them. I can talk to them, get on the battlefield. I can lead them, you know, all the things that, that is encompassed in there. And typically at a direct leadership level, you don't have a staff. There's no, you don't really have a staff that's working for you. Yeah, I had an XO, had a first sergeant, but that's, that's it. Very few staff. Now, when you go to an indirect uh, leadership level, and that for us is battalion and up, so battalion, brigade, division, uh, the Air Force, Red, Red Baron will probably talk about some other terms, but what we're talking about here is, you know, my battalions that I've been part of are typically 600 and up, 800 and up. Brigade, you know, my brigade when I was um, in Fort Riley was 4,000 people. Divisions are 20,000. F3 is the size of an Army division. It is the definition of a large organization. Um, there are some um, countries whose armies are smaller than F3, to kind of put that in perspective. Here at the indirect leadership level, you, it is physically impossible due to size and location to actively see everyone and interact with everyone. I mean, you could come across someone, and unless they're wearing the uniform and I got the patch on the shoulder, you don't know that they're in your, your organization. Uh, you could pass them in the street, pass them in the elevator, you know, and, and people talk about this in, uh, you know, larger companies. Oh, the leader doesn't know me. Well, you, you know, when you've got 1,000, 2,000 people in your company, how does a leader know, physically know everybody? And that's at that point, you can't get done what you need to get done through personality, force of will, and just grinding. You, you have to get smarter, and you have to lead through your subordinate leaders, and that's the key on indirect leadership is here. You're not focused on getting Joe on the street, you know, the low, you know, you know, whether it be uh, an airman or a soldier or a Marine to do what you need to do, the guy in the, in the cubicle to do what he needs to do. You're actually executing your mission and your will through your subordinate leaders, and that comes with a, uh, a slightly different set of, of skills, especially on the management side of the house. But the interesting thing is, and as you alluded to, it's really doing a lot of the same things. It's just doing it in a more systematic way. You're still doing accountability. You're still doing leadership development. You're still giving out the mission. But you've got to be more deliberate and more disciplined. And, and I'll say more systematic. You have to have a system to keep yourself on, on par, but you also have to have systems and processes that keep the whole organization moving forward. So, C-SPAN, that's kind of how we, you know, we can look at large versus small. And as um, Red Baron, as we set up Red Baron for the next part, I'll, I'll introduce the idea of tactical, operational, and strategic. Uh, and those are different ways that we look at how an organization gets after things and to use the military as an example, the tactical is being done. That's the individual battles that are being fought, um, done by the battalion below, brigade and below. Operational is how you string those battles together to accomplish a, an end goal. And then the strategic is really uh, the, the national level decisions that are made as to, you know, which operations you pick. Uh, and I'm going to turn that back over to you, C-SPAN, to, to transition to Red Baron. Yeah, and, and Gobbler, thanks for setting us up. So the other thing, if you're a podpaxer and you're listening right now, um, I'm going to let Red Baron talk a little bit about his, his military background, but this is basically a guy who's been working for, I think, the last six years with NATO, 
as a consultant on these very on the very topic we're covering. This is what he's been doing for a living. So I'm going to tell you, um, you know, Gobbler and I were kind of giving you the, um, you know, we're I'm going to say we were giving you the expert level classes. We're going to give you uh, way beyond that with Red Baron. And so Red Baron, why don't you set up a little bit about kind of what you've been doing uh, with your military, you know, uh, because basically you're the best example we, I could find with somebody who's been managing large, you know, very large groups and, th and then the strategy behind those groups. So why don't you take it from there? Well, thanks, T-SPAN. And if, uh, and if you could see me, you would have saw me blushing. So thanks for that, that compliment, but my honor and privilege. So for the podcasters out there, uh, when I retired from the U.S. Air Force seven and a half years ago, I retired as a three-star general. That's a lieutenant general. And I had the distinct honor and privilege to command six different times from the squadron commander level with about 380 people in my squadron to the group level uh, with about 1,700 people to the wing level with about that same number <clears throat> to a small numbered Air Force at the Air Force District of Washington with thousands. And then uh, when I was the Air Component Commander for the NATO Libya operation, uh, we had 8,000 people uh, approximately, and those 8,000 people were spread out all across the European countries along the Mediterranean Sea. So that gets into very high-level strategic leadership. But one of the things that I always tried to do, and I think we are doing here within F3 and what I have tried to do here in my last six years as a senior mentor for uh, NATO, for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is to ensure that that vision that comes from the strategic leadership level or that mission and that mission statement that comes from the high level is very is clear and it's articulate. So there's enough detail, but not too much detail. And it needs to be able to equate equally to everyone in the organization. And everyone in that organization needs to be able to figure out how to connect to it. So those that are closest to the mission, it's pretty easy. So let's use the example, I'm going to use the example of a fighter squadron. You know, when I was a, a pilot, a fighter pilot, I, I could breathe, smell, taste, feel that mission every day because I go in and I strap an airplane in my butt uh, and I go out and I go train, or if I'm having to go into combat, I'm going into combat operations. The crew chief, the maintenance, the maintenance person, the guy, the gal who's taking care of that airplane, they are very close to that mission too because they see it, they feel it, they touch it. Uh, and but the per, what about that admin person who's sitting back there in whatever office that's taking care of everybody's leave or everybody's um, TDYs, temporary duties? That person has to be able to connect. So there, that that the mission. Um, that vision and that connection from the commander has to take place. And it's easier to do, as, as Gobbler said, at those smaller levels. And, I th and that mission that, that is out there and that statement and that message that uh, is being done at the strategic leadership level, um, you need to keep beating that drum over and over again. It needs to be, again, that simple and articulate. And just when you think you're getting tired of hearing it, it's starting to sink in with the lowest common denominator. So let's talk just uh, briefly here, and then, and then we can pause and turn it back over to UC Span for, any, for more questions. Let's talk about what's in a mission statement, and let's equate that to F3 from across the entire F3 nation. 
So when we look at a mission statement from the military perspective, and I think it's true in any mission statement that's been, that, that is out there, it needs to answer the five W's, who, what, when, where, why. And especially at the strategic level, you don't really touch on the how, the how the mission needs to be accomplished. That needs to be done at that operational level and, of course, at that lower tactical level. Let them figure out the how, but the who, what, when, where, why. And so when we look at F3 and we say, you know, our mission is to plant, grow, and serve small workout groups for men to invigorate male community leadership. So if we start out with that, um, and we start out, I'm going to start out with the what. So the, the what in that statement to me is the three action verbs, plant, grow, serve. Pretty straightforward. We're going to plant these workout groups. We're going to grow them. And within that growing, we're going to go from fitness, the first F, to fellowship. We're going to grow into that second F as we build our relationships. And then the third F, we're going, to, we're going to go even further in that faith and that believing in something greater than ourselves. Um, and also in that what is the small workout groups for men. And that's how, we're going to, that's how we're going to bind this all together in the what section. We don't really have a when in our mission statement, but it certainly implies that it's done daily. It's done, it starts with our beatdowns and our posts at our respective AO. And then from that, it goes and moves across the AOs and into the regions. Um, and that from that, that service then is determined by the regions. Uh, the where, third W here that I'm going to address, the where is obviously in the community. Uh, we, it says right in there and, uh, that we're going to do um, invigorate male community leadership. So in our local communities at the low level, that then is stretched out across the regions and then stretches out across our entire um, F3 nation. And why are we going to do it? The, that 4W, it's to in, uh, invigorate the male community leadership because of the vision laid out by DREAD and OBT and carried on now throughout the years is that need for male community leadership. Yes, we need women leaders, we need men leaders, we need women and men and people working together across all, uh, all, all, all disciplines. Uh, we need the diversity part, but we have seen a lack in that focus on male community leadership, and that's why uh, we have that in the why section of, of our mission statement. And then the who, of course, it's the F3 nation, because we talk about the men the men of the regions and the men of the AOs uh, to be able to go out there to execute this who, what, when, where, why. And when you look at that mission statement uh, here for our, our F3 nation, you can see there's, there's, very, there's not really any how in there. Um, and, you know, Dredd and OPT again laid that out and free to lead. You're free to determine that, but we're going to give you some guidelines. And those guidelines come in two other areas. One is our motto, right? We're going to leave no man behind, but we will leave no man where we find him. Pretty, kind of pretty straightforward, saying wherever we find you, we're going to bring you forward as a group. That's, that's part of our motto. And then we have our five core principles, which kind of gives framework for a little bit of the how, but it doesn't tell you how you're going to go out there and do it. 
Um, we, we tell them, hey, it's open to all men. It's free. We're not going to charge anybody. Uh, we're going to be outside no matter what, what the weather because we, ha- we find that that adversity binds us together even greater. We're going to lead it in a rotating fashion. Nobody's professionally trained. You exercise at your own risk, and you're going to modify as necessary. If you're on the IR, that's okay, right? We want you back. And then we're going to finish with that circle of trust. So for me, how we have this laid out for our F3 nation, and we talk about this, and I, you know, when, when I, all the uh, us guys in F3 Snack Town, I, I try to have them all when they are queuing that we start with that review of the mission statement. We start with that review of the model. We start with that review of the five core principles because it is so important. But then when you step back and you step up, like where I am now on the board of directors for F3, and we look at these, you can see that we have a strategic vision and how it can equate up and down, hopefully, that entire line. And at the region level, they can connect the strategy to the task. And I'm going to, hey, Red Baron, I'm going to jump in there. So hopefully when he's talking about those five whys, uh, if you're a guy, and I want you to understand that this applies for F3, but it also applies in everything else you do. Um, if you volunteer for another organization and you can't hit those five, those five Ws, um, I'm going to tell you you need to meet with their leadership and explain to them, uh, keeping it simple and having those, uh, those five Ws being able to be articulated by everybody in the group. I love what SnackHound does. I know we do that in Philly all the time also where we are constantly reinforcing that mission statement. So as a small group, we don't get off course, right? And I think that's the other thing of having it very simple, um, you know, and I, I love that it applies up and down the chain in our organization because it's, uh, it's a pretty flat organization overall. But it applies from the first day you post to your 10th year, that mission statement still applies to everybody and what we're doing. So I, I love that the five W's because I think this is the other thing as, as we talk about being a bigger leader than, um, than just your work in F3 is no matter what you're doing or what organization you're involved with, you should be able to look at those five W's, step back, be able to articulate it to everybody in, on the team, and everybody on the team should be able to articulate it back to you. And Red Baron, I think that's where you're going is uh, kind of keeping it simple. Uh, the higher you get, it, the – those five W's just got to everybody's got to understand so they stay on the same page throughout the throughout the organization, right? I agree with you, C-SPAN. Uh, that, that's exactly right. And and you know you mentioned about looking uh, for our packsters or pod packsters to look in their own organizations, you know, wherever they they work besides in their F3 world. And you know when I, again when I was the air component commander for the Libya operation, the strategic end state that was given to us, and I don't, I don't mean for this to be a lesson on, on Operation Unified Protector, but I'm going to use this example. The strategic end state that was laid out for us by the political body of, the, of NATO, which is called the North Atlantic Council, uh, was, not, was very nebulous. It was not uh, very clear um, because of the, the political situation and that kind of stuff. So one of the struggles that we had is as we looked at it, from an air component perspective, which over 80 per, 80% of the mission fell to us, was how do I build a mission statement from this? And I go through a whole lecture that I do 
at the Air Component Commander course in which we spend over two hours. It's not just a lecture, it's a seminar going through all that. And so, uh, and, and, I, and I'm going to say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, in the, in the absence of good guidance, make up your own. I mean, develop your own. And so we didn't have that strong mission statement. So then we turned around as an air component at a lower level, and we basically said, well, here's what we think we need to do to be able to meet that. But then you got to tell the people above you saying, so if you don't have a clear mission statement, say, here's what we think our mission is. Do you agree? And we did that. And, and uh, we're basically told, yep, we, we think you're good, you know, press forward. And so, so we did. So, and we basically went through this, the, the five W's as we did our mission statement. We did my commander's intent. And the same thing there, you know, we talk about in <clears throat> commander's intent. And as a senior mentor for NATO, uh, during some of these exercises, I've seen some commanders write very good commander's intent. And I'm sort of gobbler has seen many too that he's either written or been on the receiving end where uh, they're, they're not very long. They're uh, a couple, five, six sentences. They're, they're clear to direct. But I've also seen some where they've been multiple paragraphs, and that is way too much. Um, so that, that articulate, clear, direct, that connection uh, to the mission um, and that continual beating of a simple, articulate message is so important. And I'm going to pause there for a second, and then I'd like to give you two examples of things that um, I did personally uh, in two different commands that, that drove that home. But I'll leave it there for a second for Gobbler to jump back in or for C-SPAN to come up with another question. Yeah, and hey, I'm, I'm going to jump in first, then I'll hand it back to Gobbler. The, um, the one thing, the way, as we're going through this, and guys are maybe starting to step back and realize and what the leadership that we're teaching them in F3, it does apply. Well, we're, we're teaching you this small unit leadership every, every time you queue or every time you go to a workout, you're learning a little bit more about leadership, right? And then we read Barron's example of, um, you know, being in a, in a leadership, in a, in a large leadership role where maybe things aren't as clear, um, I think it is just fine. Like if, if you can't uh, come up with your statement, to come up with your with your team statement, um, and like I, I, I kind of liked what he said there. You know, in, in lack of a better one, uh, provide one, right? And so you, uh, that's part of the leadership also, especially when you're lar managing larger and larger groups. Um, I think it's fine for your local team um, to have their mission statement as long as it still aligns with the overall larger group mission. And I'm, I'm trying to not slaughter that uh, too, too badly. But what I'm trying to say is if you're responsible for the 12 guys and they're part of a team of 12,000, your, your 12 guys or your 100 guys can have a, a smaller mission statement as long as it aligns with the bigger team. And so, Gobbler, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand that back to you and make sure you, we all kind of sum that up and we'll you go back to Red Baron from there. Yeah, hey, C-SPAN, that, that's a great point. Um, and the term, the military term for that is we call mission nesting, is your, your, ne your mission is nested within the higher headquarters mission. And it, this is a, um, it's an excellent point you bring up because what I see this a lot where subordinate organizations will just adopt the mission statement of the larger organization. And 
as if you're a leader of a large organization, you want to look for that. And you, what you want to do is you want to go to your subordinate leaders and you want to be, you don't want them just to adopt your mission statement. You need to help them go through the process of developing their mission statement. Or to say it in other ways, how are they helping the larger organization accomplish the mission? And this is a, a key uh, this is a key task for a leader in a large organization. And be honest, I, when I was a company commander uh, and I, I worked with on battalion and brigade staffs, we spent a fair amount of our time answering the question, how do we help our higher headquarters accomplish the mission? What is our role in this? And sometimes it's well spelled out, as Red Baron said. Sometimes you get an operations order, you get a mission statement, and you're like, oh, this is what I do. I'm an engineer. I have to breach an obstacle. Makes sense. Other times, they don't do a very good job. And so that's where you have, um, we call it commander's dialogue, uh, but it needs to be a, a dialogue between the two leaders about, okay, how do I help you accomplish your mission? And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong, and that's why the dialogue is important because you're going to need azimuth checks and you're going to need guidance when it's, uh, it's nebulous. I, I, when I think of a nebulous situation, um, it wasn't. It was a former leader that I worked for. He took over the Omaha USACE district, and in his first, you know, he was talking to the chief of engineers. So this is a three-star general, um, and this guy's a colonel, and he's getting his guidance for taking command. And the guidance was, well, you've done a good job getting here so far, so keep doing it. That that was the guidance. He didn't get any guidance on how to accomplish the job in Omaha or anything like that. It was just keep doing what you've been doing your entire career. Uh, and that's that's what happens sometimes. You get a guy that just is like, I, I don't really have any guidance for you. you you're a good guy. Go, go do what you think. Uh, and that's liberating. It's also a little stressful to some people. And so just understand that as you go up in large organizations, a lot of times the guidance you get will be less because – you're expected to make it up and to make up what you're doing uh, and go from there. Uh, see, Spinning, you have anything else on that? Yeah, I think, you know, like I, I, I just appreciate it. I hope the podcasters understand what we're trying to show them here is we're, we're providing this kind of overarching example, but I, I know Red Baron had a couple examples uh, that I was hoping I could get him to share on this because I think, um, especially as we look at F3 in 2021, each one of us is going to be hammering this mission statement in to keep ourselves in alignment. So, Red Baron, did you have a couple examples you wanted to share? Yeah, sure, C-SPAN. Thanks. Uh, so, again, I'm, I, I keep harking back to, again, my experience as the Air Component Commander for that Operation Unified Protector for the NATO Libya operation. And that's when I had 8,000 people spread out across the Mediterranean uh, for that mission, and you know, when we when we as the NATO Alliance received that mission, we basically had six days to plan. So there was not an extensive amount of time to do what we call comprehensive planning of the operational environment. So as we started the operation, and on day one, you know, we're doing kinetic operations um, in our mission to protect civilians, sanctioned by the United Nations. And one of the things that I did is. I, Personally, is I like, well, how do I reach out to those gals and guys that are flying the airplanes um, every day that are from France, from Germany, from the United States, from Great Britain, from these multiple different countries? And what about the folks within my headquarters, my air component command, that are 
building our essentially our air tasking order every day and developing our operational um, level guidance um, in an air operations directive. And sure, I had my overall commander's intent, but what we did for the first few weeks, as an example, is I personally wrote a commander's intent for every day that went out in our air tasking order, which everybody reads. Uh, that has all the sorties in it and stuff. And the importance of that was that my point about trying to, con to be able to connect from the highest level to the lowest level. And so that was one way in which I did that. Uh, you know, today here in our F3 world, we have multiple ways in which we connect to our, to our pod packsters. 40, uh, 43 feet is, a, is an example. Um, that might change in context here a little bit. Uh, which we have, the roundtable here. We have the COT podcast um, and, and even the Pick Up the Six podcast. Um, and we have things like that to which we connect. Um, we have the Nantan calls. Uh, we try to connect uh, to, our, to our people through our different uh, queues. You know, we've got uh, Bing doing the queue for expansion. So if people want to be able to expand, they know who to contact. Um, we got FIAB and Short Circuit doing our Q-source material. One of the things that we came up with, again, for the delivery operation, was told to me by a four-star admiral above me, is he said, hey, uh, Ralph, you're going to have to be bold and aggressive during this operation, but you can never be reckless. So I said to myself with my inner voice, which was a smart thing, Admiral, what the hell does that mean? And then in my next inner voice comment to myself was, you're a three-star, you're going to have to figure this out. And so as we went through the first couple of days, I also recognized that we were not being relentless in our pursuit for the mission that we had been given. So uh, we came up with we're going to have to be bold and aggressive and relentless, but we're, we can never be reckless. We can never be seen as harming the people we're there to protect is the bottom line. And that became sort of that became our motto and that became what I talked about all the time and when after this is a few months about after two and a half to three months I was able I felt comfortable enough to start traveling going around the Mediterranean to going around to these different units that we had that were flying out of Italy that were flying out of Greece that were flying out of France that were uh, flying out of Turkey that all these different locations um, and, and kept beating that same drum over and over and over again, um, and not to, not to beat the dead horse, but to ensure that everybody needed to know what I was thinking and where we were coming from. Gobbler talked about it very early on, about the, the further up you go, the harder it is to connect with people. You know, in the military, we have different, terms, you know, we have operational command or operational control. We have tactical command, tactical control. So op-con, take-con. Um, well, there's a term that some of us use called hand-con, meaning you're going out there and you're talking to people, you're shaking hands. Uh, maybe today in today's COVID, you're fist bumping. Um, but you get my point, and you're talking to them and you're listening. You're spending a lot of your time listening and ensuring that you understand where they're coming from, even from the highest levels to the lowest levels. And I will tell you, yeah, when a three-star shows up and he's talking uh, to a two-striper, two that two-striper is going to be a little nervous. 
But the more you come around and the more you talk to them, the less and less nervous. And then when they start opening up, that's when you really have um, great communication and the opportunities to be able to move the ball uh, more forward. Stop there for other comments. And yeah. I've got, if you yeah, have the time, I've got, yeah. I, I want to talk about ends, ways, and means here next. Yeah, and I, I guess, yeah, and I was going to say, Red Baron, why don't you just jump right into it? Because I think that, um, you know, we got to make that transition uh, for the pod factors because basically we've set this up for the, for the, to have a better understanding of the end. So why don't, why don't you jump into that, and then uh, Gobbler, I'll hand it back to you, and you can do some final comments from there because we'll, we're almost on top of our time. So Red Baron, why don't you okay. take it first? All right, all right, thanks. So um, no matter what level you, you lead at, any, any level, um, I'm going to first talk about priorities and then tie in ends, ways, and means. So all my time as I was a commander, I basically had five priorities. And I have to admit, I, I stole these from uh, General Schwarzkopf in, in his book, It Doesn't Take a Hero, um, after his experience with Desert Storm. And, and for us here in F3, I'm going to say there's four priorities because uh, one of them is taking care of your people's people. kind of really doesn't equate, but um, anyway. So the, the first priority is always going to be the mission. What is my mission? Um, we have our mission laid out for us in, 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 F, in F3 and that plant grow and serve. The second priority is people or PACs. Our PACsers that are out there in our small workout groups that then grows to the fellowship, the second F, and then grows to the third F in the faith. And of course, within that is the communities. Uh, the third priority is ensuring that they're appropriately trained. Well, what do I mean by that for F3? Well, again, we, we have our, our posts, our workouts to ensure our bodies are right. And then we have the other mechanisms from our Q-source to our co uh, cafeterias, uh, to some groups that take together in Bible studies, uh, to our shield lock teams, um, our SLTs, our personal shield locks that, that, we, that we engage with. That helps to ensure that we're appropriately trained. And then the resources, which is the means, and I'll get to ends, ways, and means, um, is that, again, some of those resources I've already mentioned, Q-source. But the other one is our F3 foundation and that hiring of the executive director to ensure we have the funds within the organization, within the F3 nation, that we can go out there and do community service. So when I talk about ends, ways, and means, you know, what is our end state? Well, our end state is male community leadership and invigoration of male community leadership. Are we ever going to get there? Well, we're always going to have new men coming into our organizations. We want to be able to continue to grow. Um, we see the continued importance of that. So uh, I don't see that our end state, it doesn't mean it's not achievable, but we're going to keep going at that because we know we're going to need that, have that male community leadership um, forever here, especially within our country. Um, and when we look at, at ways, our ways are those workout groups. And I mentioned already about the first F leading to the second F leading to the third F. And then our means, again, as I touched on already, is having uh, those um, funds that are out there using the F3 Foundation, um, getting that executive director who, who, who now can take some of that burden off of the PACsters so the PACs can go out there and execute and provide those means by fundraising in many other ways. That, and we were very blessed 
with a very successful Give to Give campaign this fall with our Paxlers uh, coming out and, uh, and, and donating over 200 grand, which is just awesome. And when we lack means um, at times, then we have to be innovative. And so here within RF3 Nation, we are, we are trying to continue to build on those means so that, again, we can go out there and continue um, to execute the mission that we need to be able to do. Over. And I'm just going to give you a, I'm giving you a fist bump right there. Um, <laughs> let me give you an amen. Gobbler, Gobbler um, I know I, I kind of cut you off there. Gobbler, what, what other, if you, uh, well, I'm going to hand it to you, Gobbler, as your final comments. So we're getting on top of our time. What, what are some of the things that you can echo his uh, or anything you want to add to his, and then why don't you give us your uh, closing comments? Yeah, so I got um, kind of like to kind of wrap some things up. We've been talking around some things, but just kind of highlight them is, uh, you know, we've been talking about communication. And in large organizations, uh, I'll tell you, an old, this is an old Army story. It, you know, I don't even know who it's attributed to, but it's so true. Um, there was a two-star general division commander, you know, in Europe, he was doing a maintenance meeting, and um, they were having a problem with flat tires in the division, you know. And at, at, in a division level, you know, if you have a, a problem like that, it, it's amplified because you see, you know, hundreds of vehicles or whatever. So the warrant officer says the reason we're having flat tires is because uh, the soldiers are not checking their tire pressure. Okay. Hey, division commander says, all right, hey, well, what do we need to do that? And he's like, well, we don't have tire pressure gauges. Fine, go out, buy tire pressure gauges, get them in the hand of all these soldiers, make sure they check the tire pressure. Pretty simple. Now, what happens? What, is the, uh, what actually happens on the ground level? Three months later, uh, this uh, two-star general is doing what he's supposed to do, doing what Red Baron was talking about. He's going around and visiting the soldiers, and he's at a tank, and he's talking to the soldier, and the soldier really, really knows what he's doing. And he says, hey, man, you know, really impressed by you. you. You got any questions for me? And this private looks at the general and goes, yeah, why do I have to carry a tire pressure gauge when I don't have a tire? And that story amplifies, and what it teaches is that sometimes when you're at the top of an organization and you give guidance that is perfectly valid and makes sense, when it gets to the lower levels, it can get messed up. And you have to do that. You have to go out and you have to find those things and you have to fix them. And you have to be like, okay, that's not what I meant. And anyone who's been in the military knows exactly how that comes about. Um, and it's not through incompetence, and it's not through uh, failure. It's just through miscommunication. And so the larger the organization, the more you have to simplify that message and then go and check to make sure that it's getting appropriately to the lower levels. The other thing is as, you get, um, as the organization gets larger, your role shifts more from execution of an individual task to resourcing and making sure those lower organizations have what they need. You know, whether that's, uh, you know, people, the right people in the right places, that's a resource, whether it's equipment, you know, whether it's the right amount of time, okay, you have to look across your organization and allocate resources, which means that you need to communicate your priorities because resources are always scarce, and you allocate resources based upon priority, priorities. And you have to communicate those priorities so that everyone understands why they're not getting what they think they need. But as you project where you need to put resources in time and space, this necessitates an increase in your time horizon. The worst thing that the leader of a large organization can be doing is engaged in the near-term fight. We call that the knife fight in the Army. If the 
the large organization at the higher levels is engaged in the fighting the battles of today, then they are not looking out in front. And so you really, if you're a leader of a large organization, you need to increase your time horizon to where you can project and make sure that resources are allocated appropriately for your uh, sub-organizations to be successful. And the last point I'll kind of wrap up with this point, C-SPAN, is I use the term close the scenes. Any, throughout military history, whenever you bring two units together, if, if a, you want to attack an organization, you always attack at the seams. You attack at where two companies come together, two battalions, come, two armies come together. Okay? You, you read World War II history, you're going to see that you, uh, commanders, enemy commanders, we're always trying to find the seam between units because it's at the seam that gaps happen. It's where things fall through. So if you're a leader of an organization, one of your goals is to make sure your sub-organizations don't leave a gap between areas of responsibility. In the Army, it can be physically on the ground, right? So if I, when I was a company commander, I would walk out and look between my, and stand between where my two platoons are to make sure that their fields of fire overlap. Or it can just be between responsibilities. You know, hey, is there a gap between this, this, um, this responsibility? And that's three we you can see you see these things happening in F three, you know, where where the nation is looking in between regions geographically to try and put some you know, try to get a region there. It could be as simple as that. So C Span, that's all I got today. I'll pitch it back to you. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Red Baron, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it to you for your final comments. Obviously, um, you know, both you guys I just really appreciate you being on the show. I hope the Podpacksers got something out of this because this is a uh, I just think this is a huge topic for 2021. 20, uh, so, um, Red Baron, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it to you. What, what final thoughts and comments you got for us? A couple things. And, of course, uh, any of the podcasters, uh, feel free to reach out. If you want to have further discussions, happy to do that. Uh, it's kind of right in the middle of my job jar and what, what I enjoy uh, doing. But soliciting feedback and gobbler hit that uh, nail pre- pretty uh, hard on the head. Um, getting that feedback, it is harder at the higher at the higher level. The higher the level you go, um, but that feedback does need is extremely important. And you know, just equating to our own our own organization and not putting uh, a, a burden on on slaughter. But you know, slaughter doesn't need to be worried about how cold is it in Omaha on Saturday morning and are those guys dressing correctly. He does kind of need to understand that as our new F three. Uh, nation Nantan, but where he needs to be focused is out there days, weeks, months ahead. Um, and that's one of the things that us at the board of director levels in which uh, we will help him and uh, the SLT to ensure that we stay focused out there. We don't want to be in the role of telling you how many Merkins to do. Uh, that's up to the queue uh, out there. And so having that division, which we started out with, meaning the division from the higher level to the operational level to down there at the execution level um, is vitally important. Soliciting that feedback and staying focused um, at the right level, depending on where you are at, will ensure that you can do the mission, you can do the who, what, when, where, why. If you're at the level to do the how, you can do the how, and you will do it, and you'll be successful. So thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say thank you both. You know, um, 
great truth nuggets in this episode. And so hopefully uh, guys uh, get something out of it. If um, both the, both Gobbler and Red Baron are very active on the Nation Slack. If, uh, if you want to follow back up with them, I'll put some uh, their contact information in the show notes. Uh, but Slack, the Nation Slack, is still uh, a good way to get a hold of everybody. If you're not on the Nation Slack, just go ahead and send me an email, uh, cspan at f3nation.com, and I'll make sure you get signed up. So, gentlemen, knuckle bumps all around. Very loud amen on all the good uh, truth nuggets you dropped on us today. For everybody else, I'll talk to you next week. See you.